Chapter 4 of Poems of American History, Volume 4, The Civil War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nikki Myers from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. To learn more about me, visit Nikki'sEssentials.com. Poems of American History, Volume 4, The Civil War, by Various. Chapter 4, Grand Army of the Potomac. The defeat at Bull Run showed the necessity for a thorough reorganization of the Army of the Potomac, and George B. McClellan, who had made a successful campaign in western Virginia, was summoned to Washington and placed in command. At the end of two months, he had under him a splendidly equipped and disciplined force of over a 100,000 men. The pickets were gradually extended, and little skirmishes with the enemy took place almost daily. Civil War Riflemen, shoot me a fancy shot, straight at the heart of you prowling Bidet. Ring me a ball in the glittering spot that shines on his breast like an amulet. Ah, Captain, here goes for a fine-drawn bead. There's music around when my barrel's in tune. Crack went the rifle, the messenger sped, and dead from his horse fell the ringing dragoon. Now, riflemen, steal through the bushes and snatch from your victim some trinket to hand-sell first blood, a button, a loop, or that luminous patch that gleams in the moon like a diamond stud. Oh, Captain, I staggered and sunk on my track when I gazed on the face of that fallen videt, for he looked so like you as he lay on his back that my heart rose upon me and masters me yet. But I snatched off the trinket, this locket of gold, an inch from the center my lead broke its way, scarce grazing the picture, so fair to behold, of a beautiful lady in bridal array. Ha, riflemen, fling me the locket, tis she, my brother's young bride, and the fallen dragoon was her husband. Hush, soldier, t'was heaven's decree, we must bury him there by the light of the moon. But hark, the far bugles, their warnings unite. War is a virtue, weakness a sin. There's a lurking and loping around us tonight. Load again, riflemen, keep your hand in. By Charles Dawson Shanley McClellan, at last, began preparations for a grand advance into Virginia. Troops were sent across the Potomac in great numbers. Then, suddenly, the orders were countermanded, and the troops brought back across the river. The army had increased to 150,000 men, but for nearly two months, the public ear was daily irritated by the report, all quiet along the Potomac. The Picket Guard, dated November 1861. All quiet along the Potomac, they say, except now and then a stray picket is shot as he walks on his beat to and fro by a rifleman hid in the thicket. "'Tis nothing a private or two now and then will not count in the news of the battle. Not an officer lost, only one of the men, moaning out all alone the death-rattle. All quiet along the Potomac tonight, where the soldiers he peacefully dreaming, their tents in the rays of the clear autumn moon, or the light of the watch-fire are gleaming. A tremulous sigh of the gentle night wind through the forest leaves softly is creeping, while the stars up above and their glittering eyes keep guard, for the army is sleeping. There's only the sound of the lone sentry's tread as he tramps from the rock to the fountain, and thinks of the two in the low trundle bed, 
far away in the cot on the mountain. His musket falls slack, his face dark and grim, grows gentle with memories tender, as he mutters prayer for the children asleep, for their mother may heaven defend her. The moon seems to shine just as brightly as then, that night when the love yet unspoken leaped up to his lips and low-murmured vows were pledged to be ever unbroken. Then drawing his sleeve roughly over his eyes, he dashes off tears that are welling and gathers his gun closer up to its place as if to keep down the heart swelling. He passes the fountain, the blasted pine tree, the footstep is lagging and weary. Yet onward he goes, through the broad belt of light, towards the shade of the forest so dreary. Hark! Was it the night wind that rustled the leaves? Was it moonlight so wondrously flashing? It looked like a rifle. Ha! Mary, goodbye. The red lifeblood is ebbing and plashing. All quiet along the Potomac tonight, no sound save the rush of the river. While soft falls the dew on the face of the dead, the pickets off duty forever. By Ethel Lynn Beers. Despite the size and efficiency of the Grand Army, nothing was done and nothing attempted. It was evident that McClellan, though a perfect organizer and disciplinarian, lacked the qualities of aggressive leadership, and the discontent of the country found constant and angry expression. Tardy George, dated January 1862. What are you waiting for, George, I pray, to scour your cross belts with fresh pipe clay? To burnish your buttons, to brighten your guns, or wait for May Day and warm spring suns? Are you blowing your fingers because they are cold, or catching your breath ere you take a hold? Is the mud knee-deep in the valley and gorge? What are you waiting for, tardy George? Want you a thousand more cannon made, to aid to the thousand now arrayed? Want you more men, more money to pay? Are not two millions enough per day? Wait you for gold and credit to go before we shall see your martial show, till treasury notes will not pay to forge? What are you waiting for, tardy George? Are you waiting for your hair to turn, your heart to soften, your bowels to yearn, a little more toward our southern friends, as at home and abroad they work their ends? Our southern friends, whom you hold so dear, that you do no harm and give no fear, as you tenderly take them by the gorge. What are you waiting for, tardy George? Now that you've marshaled your whole command, planning what you would and changed what you planned, practiced with shot and practiced with shell, known to a hare where every one fell, made signs by day and signals by night, was it all done to keep out of a fight? Is the whole matter too heavy a charge? What are you waiting for, tardy George? Shall we have more speeches, more reviews, or are you waiting to hear the news? To hold up your hands in mute surprise when France and England shall recognize? Are you too grand to fight traitors small? Must you have a nation to cope with all? Well, hammer the anvil and blow the forge. You'll soon have a dozen, tardy George. Suppose for a moment, George, my friend, just for a moment you condescend. To use the means that are in your hands, the eager muskets and guns and brands, take one bold step on the southern sod, and leave the issue to watchful God. For now the nation raises its gorge, waiting and watching you, tardy George. I should not much wonder, George, my boy, if Stanton get in his head a toy, and some fine morning ere you are out, he send you all 
to the right about. You and Jomini and all the crew who think that war is nothing to do but to drill and cipher and hammer and forge, what are you waiting for, tardy George? Finally, President Lincoln demanded that this great army do something, and it was decided to advance against the Confederates at Manassas. The advance began on March 9, 1862, and when the army reached Manassas, it found that the Confederates had removed all their stores and munitions and abandoned the position, whereupon the Grand Army marched back to the Potomac. How McClellan Took Manassas, dated March 10, 1862. Heard ye how the bold McClellan, he the weather with the bell on, he the head of all the asses, Heard ye how he took Manassas? When the anaconda plucky flopped its tail in old Kentucky, when upstream the gunboats paddled, and the thieving Floyd skedaddled, then the chief of all the asses heard the word, Go take Manassas! Forty brigades wait around him, forty blatant trumpets sound him, as the pink of all the heroes since the time of fiddling Nero's, Now's the time, cry out the masses, show your pluck and take Manassas. Contrabands come flocking to him, lo, the enemy flies, pursue him. No, says George, don't start a trigger on the word of any nigger. Let no more of the rascals pass us, I know all about Manassas. When at last a prowling Yankee, no doubt long and lean and lanky, looking out for new devices, took the wooden guns as prizes. Says he, I swear, a daylight passes, I'll take a peep at famed Manassas. Then up to the trenches boldly marched he, they received him coldly. Nary Reb was there to stop him, gathering courage in he passes. Jerusalem, I've took Manassas. Bold McClellan heard the story, onward, men, to fields of glory. Let us show the rebel foreman, when we're ready, we're not slow, men. Wait no more for springtime grasses. Onward, onward to Manassas. Baggage trains were left behind him in his eagerness to find them. Upward the balloons ascended to see which way the rebels tended. Thirty miles away his glasses swept the horizon round Manassas. Out of sight the foe retreating, answering back no hostile greeting. None could tell as off he paddled, whitherward he had skedaddled. Then the chief of all the asses cried, Hurrah! I've got Manassas! Future days will tell the wonder how the mighty anaconda lay supine along the border with the mighty Mac to lord her. Tell on shaft and storied brasses how he took the famed Manassas. McClellan, meanwhile, had decided that the proper way to take Richmond was to remove his army to Fortress Monroe and advance up the peninsula. The change of base was accomplished by April 3, 1862, and the advance began, the army encountering no obstacles save almost impassable mud. McClellan, however, firmly believed that an immense force of Confederates was massed before him and proceeded so cautiously that he scarcely moved at all, and the impatience of the people deepened into anger and disgust. Wanted. A man. Back from the trebly crimson field, terrible words are thunder-tossed, full of the wrath that will not yield, full of revenge for battles lost. Hark to their echo as it crossed, the capital making faces wan. End this murderous holocaust, Abraham Lincoln, give us a man. 
Give us a man of God's own mold, born to marshal his fellow men. One whose fame is not bought and sold at the stroke of a politician's pen. Give us the man of thousands ten, fit to do as well as to plan. Give us a rallying cry, and then, Abraham Lincoln, give us a man. No leader to shirk the boasting foe, and to march and countermarch our brave, till they fall like ghosts in the marshes low, and swamp grass covers each nameless grave, nor another whose fatal banners wave. I in disaster's shameful van, nor another to bluster and lie and rave. Abraham Lincoln, give us a man. Hearts are mourning in the north, while the sister rivers seek the main, red with our lifeblood flowing forth. Who shall gather it up again? Though we march to the battle plain firmly, as when the strife began, shall all our offering be in vain? Abraham Lincoln, give us a man. Is there never one in all the land, one on whose might the cause may lean? Are all the common ones so grand, and all the titled ones so mean? What if your failure may have been in trying to make good bread from bran, from worthless metal, a weapon keen? Abraham Lincoln, find us a man. Oh, we will follow him to the death, where the foreman's fiercest columns are. Oh, we will use our latest breath, cheering for every sacred star. His to marshal us high and far, ours to battle as patriots can, when a hero leads the holy war. Abraham Lincoln, give us a man! Edmund Clarence Stedman Finally, after infinite preparation, McClellan's batteries were ready to open on the Confederate works of Yorktown, but on May 4, 1862, it was discovered that the works had been abandoned. Hooker's and Kearney's cavalry began a vigorous pursuit of the Confederates, caught up with them at Williamsburg, and captured the works there after a severe engagement. The Gallant Fighting Joe, May 4th and 5th, 1862 From Yorktown on the 4th of May, the rebels did skedaddle, and to pursue them on their way, brave Hooker took the saddle. I'll lead you on, brave boys, he said, where danger points the way, and drawing forth his shining blade, move onward, he did say. Chorus. Then we'll shout hurrah for Hooker boys, the gallant fighting Joe. We'll follow him with heart and hand wherever he does go. Forward, march, then was the word that passed from front to rear, when all the men with one accord gave a loud and hearty cheer. And then, with Hooker at our head, we marched in order good, till darkness all around us spread when we lay down in the wood. Early next morn, by break of day, the rain in torrents fell. This day, brave Hooker, he did say, your valor it will tell. Williamsburg is very near. Be steady, every man. Let every heart be filled with cheer, and I will take the van. The gallant Massachusetts men fought well and nobly, too as did the men from good old Penn and Jersey, ever true. And Sickles' men, like lions brave, their courage did display, for gallantly they did behave on the battlefield that day. The men from Mass and good old Penn, that morn the fight began, and like true noble-hearted men, most nobly they did stand. When Jersey's sons, the bold, the brave, not fearing lead nor steel, their gallant comrades for to save, dashed boldly to the field. By every means the rebels sought to stand the Jersey's fire, but soon for them it was too hot, and they quickly did retire. 
But getting reinforced again with numbers very great, the gallant band of Jersey men were forced for to retreat. Now Sickles' men, Hooker did say, move out to the advance. If you your courage would display, now you have got a chance. The foe have forced us to give way. They number six to one. But still, my lads, we'll gain the day, and I will lead you on. Excelsior then the foremost stood, not knowing dread nor fear, and met the rebels in the woods with a loud and hearty cheer. Volley after volley flew, like hail the balls did fly, and Hooker cried, My heroes true will conquer or will die. Our ammunition being gone, brave Hooker then did say, Reinforcements! Fast are coming on, my lads, do not give way. Keep good your ground, our only chance is to remain upon the field, and if the rebels dare advance, we'll meet them with the steel. Twas then brave Kearney did appear, who ne'er to foe would yield. To him we gave a hearty cheer as he rushed on the field. Now charge, my lads, then Hooker cried, our work will soon be done, for with brave Kearney by our side, the rebels will make run. And since that time we all do know the battles he hath won. He beat the rebels at Bristow and chased them to Bull Run. And had we a few more loyal men like the gallant fighting Joe, the war would soon be at an end, then home we all would go. Singing hurrah, hurrah for Hooker's boys, the gallant fighting Joe will follow him with heart and hand wherever he does go. James Stevenson the advance continued slowly, and on May 31, 1862, a portion of the army reached Fair Oaks. Here the Confederates attacked with force, and would have won a decisive victory but for the timely arrival of dashing Phil Kearney, who rallied the Union forces, led them forward, and swept the Confederates from the field. Kearney at Seven Pines, May 31, 1862 so that soldierly legend is still on its journey, that story of Kearney who knew not to yield. T'was the day when, with Jameson, Fierce Barry, and Birney, against twenty thousand, he rallied the field, where the red volleys poured, where the clamor rose highest, where the dead lay in clumps through the dwarf oak and pine, where the aim from the thicket was surest and nighest, no charge like Phil Kearney's along the whole line. When the battle went ill, and the bravest were solemn, near the dark seven pines, where we still held our ground, he rode down the length of the withering column, and his heart at our war cry leapt up with a bound. He snuffed, like his charger, the wind of the powder. His sword waved us on, and we answered the sign. Loud our cheer as we rushed, but his laugh rang louder. There's the devil's own fun, boys, along the whole line. How he strode his brown steed, how we saw his blade brighten, and one hand still left, and the reins in his teeth. He laughed like a boy when the holidays heightened, but a soldier's glance shot from his visor beneath. Up came the reserves to the Malay infernal, asking where to go in, through the clearing or pine. Oh, anywhere, forward, tis all the same, Colonel. You'll find lovely fighting along the whole line. O oh, evil the black shroud of night at Chantilly, that hid him from sight of his brave men and tried. Foul, foul sped the bullet that clipped the white lily, the flower of our knighthood, the whole army's pride. Yet we dream that he still, in the shadowy region, where the dead from their ranks, in wan drummer's sign, 
rides on as of old down the length of his legion and the word still is forward along the whole line by edmund clarence steadman for nearly a month after the battle the army of the potomac lay along the chickahominy within a few miles of richmond while the confederates concentrated their forces under robert e lee for the defense of the city on june fourteenth eighteen sixty two general j e b stuart with a force of fifteen hundred cavalry circled the union position destroyed stores seized mules and horses took nearly two hundred prisoners and returned leisurely to richmond captain latane was killed in a skirmish during this expedition the burial of latane june fourteenth eighteen sixty two the combat raged not long but hours the day and though the hosts that compassed us around our little band rode proudly on its way leaving one gallant comrade glory crowned unburied on the field he died to gain single of all his men amid the hostile slain one moment on the battle's edge he stood hope's halo like a helmet round his hair the next beheld him dabbled in his blood prostrate in death and yet in death how fair even thus he passed through the red gates of strife from earthly crowns and palms to an immortal life a brother bore his body from the field and gave it unto strangers hands then closed the calm blue eyes on earth forever sealed and tenderly the slender limbs composed strangers yet sisters who with mary's love sat by the open tomb and weeping looked above a little child strewed roses on his bier pale roses not more stainless than his soul nor yet more fragrant than his life sincere that blossomed with good actions brief but whole the aged matron and the faithful slave approached with reverent feet the hero's lowly grave no man of god might say the burial rite above the rebel thus declared the foe that blanched before him in the deadly fight but woman's voice with accent soft and low trembling with pity touched with pathos read over his hallowed dust the ritual for the dead tis sown in weakness it is raised in power softly the promise floated on the air while the low breathings of the sunset hour came back responsive to the mourner's prayer gently they laid him underneath the sod and left him with his fame his country and his god let us not weep for him whose deeds endure so young so brave so beautiful he died as he had wished to die the past is sure whatever yet of sorrow may betide those who still linger on the stormy shore change cannot harm him now nor fortune touch him more by john r thompson meanwhile mcdowell's corps had been ordered forward from the shenandoah valley to cooperate with mcclellan but was harassed by the confederate cavalry under turner ashby and stonewall jackson which was handled with the utmost brilliancy and daring the charge by the ford eighty and nine with their captain rode on the enemy's track rode in the gray of the morning nine of the night he came back slow rose the mist from the river lighter each moment the way careless and tearless and fearless galloped they on to the fray singing in tune how the scabbards loud on the stirrup irons rang clinked as the men rose in saddle fell as they sank with a clang what is it moves by the river jaded and weary and weak 
graybacks a cross on their banner, yonder the foe whom they seek. Silence! They see not, they hear not, tarrying there by the marge. Forward! Draw saber! Trot! Gallop! Charge! Like a hurricane! Charge! Ah, twas a man-trap infernal, fire like the deep pit of hell, volley on volley to meet them, mixed with the gray rebel's yell. Ninety had ridden to battle, tracing the enemy's track. Ninety had ridden to battle, nine of the ninety came back. Honor the name of the ninety, honor the heroes who came. Scatheless from five hundred muskets, safe from the lead-bearing flame. Eighty and one of the troopers lie on the field of the slain. Lie on the red field of honor, honor the nine who remain. Cold are the dead there, and gory, there where their life-blood was spilt. Back come the living, each saber, red from the point to the hilt. Give them three cheers and a tiger, let the flags wave as they come. Give them the blare of the trumpet, give them the roll of the drum. By Thomas Dunn English Skirmish after skirmish was fought, in one of which, at Harrisburg, on June 6, 1862, Ashby was killed. But the Confederates succeeded in their object, for McDowell's junction with McClellan was indefinitely delayed. Dirge for Ashby, June 6, 1862 Heard ye that thrilling word, accent of dread, flash like a thunderbolt, bowing each head. Crashed through the battle dun, over the booming gun, Ashby, our bravest one, Ashby is dead. Saw ye the veterans' hearts that had known, never a quail of fear, never a groan. Sob mid the fight they win, tears their stern eyes within. Ashby, our paladin, Ashby is gone. Dash, dash the tear away, crush down the pain. Dolce e decus, be fittest refrain. Why should the dreary pall round him he flung at all? Did not our hero fall gallantly slain? Catch the last word of cheer dropped from his tongue. Over the volley's din, loud it be rung. Follow me, follow me, soldier. Oh, could there be peon or dirge for thee, loftier sung. Bold as the lion heart, dauntless and brave, knightly and knightliest Bayard could crave. Sweet with all Sydney's grace, tender as Hampton's face, who, who shall fill the space void by his grave? Tis not one broken heart, wild with dismay, crazed with her agony, weeps o'er his clay. Ah, from a thousand eyes flow the pure tears that rise, widowed Virginia lies stricken to-day. Yet, though that thrilling word, accent of dread, falls like a thunderbolt, bowing each head, heroes! Be battle done, bravelier every one. Nerved by the thought alone, Ashby is dead. By Margaret Junkin Preston McClellan continued to waste his time in complaints and reproaches to the government at Washington, and the Confederates prepared to take the offensive. Their advance began June 26, 1862, and McClellan promptly began to retreat, finally on July 1st at Malvern Hill. The Union army turned and repulsed the Confederates after a severe engagement. McClellan, instead of advancing, issued an order to fall still further back. Malvern Hill, July 1st, 1862 Ye elms that wave on Malvern Hill, 
in prime of morn and may recall ye how mcclellan's men here stood at bay while deep within you forest dim our rigid comrades lay some with the cartridge in their mouth others with fixed arms lifted south invoking so the cypress glades ah wilds of woe the spires of richmond late beheld through the rifts in musket haze were closed from view in clouds of dust on leaf-walled ways where streamed our wagons in caravan in the seven nights and days of march and fast retreat and fight pinched our grimed faces to ghastly plight does the elmwood recall the haggard beards of blood the battle smoked flag with stars eclipsed we followed it never fell in silence husbanded our strength received their yell till on this slope we patient turned with cannon ordered well reverse we proved was not defeat but ah the sod what thousands meet does malvern wood bethink itself and muse and brood we elms of malvern hill remember everything but sap the twig will fill wag the world how it will leaves must be green in spring herman melville a message july first eighteen sixty two was there ever message sweeter than that one from malvern hill from a grim old fellow you remember dying in the dark at malvern hill with his rough face turned a little on a heap of scarlet sand they found him just within the thicket with a picture in his hand with a stained and crumpled picture of a woman's aged face yet there seemed to leap a wild entreaty young and living tender from the face when they flashed a lantern on it gilding all the purple shade and stooped to raise him softly that's my mother sir he said tell her but he wandered slipping into tangled words and cries something about mac and hooker something dropping through the cries about the kitten by the fire and mother's cranberry pies and there the words fell and an utter silence brooded in the air just as he was drifting from them out into the dark alone poor old mother waiting for your message waiting with the kitten all alone through the hush his voice broke tell her thank you doctor when you can tell her that i kissed her picture and wished i'd been a better man i wonder if the red feet of departed battle hours may not leave for us their searching message from those distant hours sisters daughters mothers thank you would your heroes now or then dying kiss your pictured faces wishing they'd been better men elizabeth stewart phelps so ended mcclellan's attempt to capture richmond he had lost seventy-five thousand men and had accomplished nothing president lincoln made a personal visit to inspect the army then issued a call for three hundred thousand more troops three hundred thousand more july second eighteen sixty two we are coming father abraham three hundred thousand more from mississippi's winding stream and from new england's shore we leave our plows and workshops our wives and children dear with hearts too full for utterance with but a silent tear we dare not look behind us but steadfastly before we are coming father abraham three hundred thousand more if you look across the hilltops that meet the northern sky 
long-moving lines of rising dust your vision may descry and now the wind an instant tears the cloudy veil aside and floats aloft our spangled flag in glory and in pride and bayonets in the sunlight gleam and bands brave music pour we are coming father abraham three hundred thousand more if you look all up our valleys where the growing harvests shine you may see our sturdy farmer boys fast forming into line and children from their mother's knees are pulling at the weeds and looking how to reap and sow against their country's needs and a farewell group stands weeping at every cottage door we are coming father abraham three hundred thousand more you have called us we are coming by richmond's bloody tide to lay us down for freedom's sake our brother's bones beside or from foul treason's savage grasp to wrench the murderous blade and in the face of foreign foes its fragments to parade six hundred thousand loyal men and true have gone before we are coming father abraham three hundred thousand more james sloan gibbons meanwhile the army of virginia had been formed for the defense of washington and placed under the command of general pope he at once endeavored to secure the valley of the shenandoah and on april ninth eighteen sixty two fought a fierce but indecisive battle with jackson at cedar mountain cedar mountain august ninth eighteen sixty two ring the bells nor ring them slowly toll them not the day is holy golden flooded noon is poured in grand libation to the lord no mourning mothers come to-day whose hopeless eyes forget to pray they each hold high the o'erflowing urn and bravely to the altar turn ye limners of the ancient saint to-day another virgin paint where with the lily once she stood show now the new beatitude to-day a mother crowned with pain of silver beauty beyond stain clasping a flower for our land a sheathed in her hand each pointed leaf with sword-like strength guarding the flower throughout its length each sword has won a sweet release to the flower of beauty and of peace ring the bells nor ring them slowly to the lord the day is holy to the young dead we consecrate these lives that now we dedicate annie fields lee's army released from richmond by mcclellan's retreat hastened to face pope while jackson got in pope's rear captured manassas junction cut pope's communications formed a junction with longstreet and on august thirtieth eighteen sixty two defeated the union forces at the second battle of bull run hour left august thirtieth eighteen sixty two from dawn to dark they stood that long midsummer day while fierce and fast the battle blast swept rank on rank away from dawn to dark they fought with legions torn and cleft and still the wide black battle tide poured deadlier on our left they closed each ghastly gap they dressed each shattered rank they knew how well that freedom fell with that exhausted flank oh for a thousand men like these that melt away and down they came with steel and flame for a thousand to the fray right through the blackest cloud their lightning path they cleft and triumph came with deathless fame to our unconquered left ye of your sons secure ye of your dead bereft honor the brave who died to save you're all upon our left francis orrery tickner 
on the following day jackson attacked at chantilly an indecisive action lasting all day during the battle general philip kearney pushed forward to reconnoitre and came upon a confederate outpost which summoned him to surrender instead he clapped spurs to his horse and endeavored to escape but was shot and killed dirge for a soldier september first eighteen sixty two close his eyes his work is done what to him is friend or foeman rise of moon or set of sun hand of man or kiss of woman lay him low lay him low in the clover or the snow what cares he he cannot know lay him low as man may he fought his fight proved his truth by his endeavor let him sleep in solemn night sleep forever and forever lay him low lay him low in the clover or the snow what cares he he cannot know lay him low fold him in his country's stars roll the drum and fire the volley what to him are all our wars what but death bemocking folly lay him low lay him low in the clover or the snow what cares he he cannot know lay him low leave him to god's watching eye trust him to the hand that made him mortal love weeps idly by god alone has power to aid him lay him low lay him low in the clover or the snow what cares he he cannot know lay him low george henry bocker pope's shattered army was withdrawn within the defenses of washington where mcclellan's forces soon joined it the latter was given command of the forces at the capital and recruits were hurried forward to fill the broken ranks the reveille hark i hear the tramp of thousands and armed men the hum lo a nation's hosts have gathered round the quick alarming drum saying come freemen come ere your heritage be wasted said the quick alarming drum let me of my heart take counsel war is not of life the sum who shall stay and reap the harvest when the autumn days shall come but the drum echoed come death shall reap the braver harvest said the solemn-sounding drum but when won the coming battle what of profit springs therefrom what of conquest subjugation even greater ills become but the drum answered come you must do the sum to prove it said the yankee answering drum what if mid the cannon's thunder whistling shot and bursting bomb when my brothers fall around me should my heart grow cold and numb but the drum answered come better there in death united than in life a recreant come thus they answered hoping fearing some in faith and doubting some till a trumpet voice proclaiming said my chosen people come then the drum low was dumb for the great heart of the nation throbbing answered lord we come bret hart never was a republic in greater danger a month before lee had been desperately defending richmond against two armies now he had defeated them both and was ready to invade the north he pushed forward with decision and celerity and by september seventh eighteen sixty two his whole army had crossed the potomac into maryland beyond the potomac september seventh eighteen sixty two they slept on the field which their valor had won but arose with the first early blush of the sun for they knew that a great deed remained to be done 
when they passed o'er the river. There rose with the sun and caught life from his light, those giants of courage, those annexes in fight. And they laughed out loud in the joy of their might, marching swift for the river. On, on, like the rushing of storms through the hills. On, on, with a tramp that is firm as their wills. And the one heart of thousands grows buoyant and thrills at the thought of the river. Oh, the sheen of their swords, the fierce gleam of their eyes. It seemed as on earth a new sunlight would rise, and king-like flash up to the sun in the skies, or their path to the river. But their banners shot scarred, and all darkened with gore, on a strong wind of morning, streamed wildly before. Like the wings of death angels swept fast to the shore, the green shore of the river. As they marched from the hillside, the hamlet, the stream, gaunt throngs whom the foemen had manacled team, like men just aroused from some terrible dream to cross sternly the river. They behold the broad banners, blood-darkened yet fair, and a moment dissolves the last spell of despair, while a peal as of victory swells in the air, rolling out to the river. And that cry with a thousand strange echoings spread till the ashes of heroes were thrilled in their bed, and the deep voice of passion surged up from the dead. I press on to the river. On, on like the rushing of storms through the hills. On, on with a tramp that is firm as their wills. And the one heart of thousands grows buoyant and thrills as they pause by the river. Then the wan face of Maryland haggard and worn, at this sight lost the touch of its aspect forlorn. And she turned on the foemen, full statured in scorn, pointing stern to the river. And Potomac flowed calmly, scarce heaving her breast, with her low-lying billows all bright in the west, for a charm as from God lulled the waters to rest of the fair rolling river. Past, past, the glad thousands marched safe through the tide. Hark, foemen, and hear the deep knell of your pride, ringing weird-like and wild, peeling up from the side of the calm flowing river. Neath a blow swift and mighty the tyrant may fall, vain, vain to his god swells a desolate call, hath his grave not been hallowed, and woven his pall since they passed o'er the river. Paul Hamilton Hain McClellan undertook a timorous and blundering pursuit, calling constantly for more men and even proposing that Washington be abandoned if that should be necessary to reinforce his army. On September 13, 1862, Lee's army passed through Frederick, and it was then that the incident recorded in Barbara Fricci is said to have occurred. Barbara Fricci, September 13, 1862 Up from the meadows, rich with corn, clear in the cool September morn, the clustered spires of Frederick stand, green-walled by the hills of Maryland. Round about them orchards sweep, apple and peach tree fruited deep, fair as the garden of the Lord, to the eyes of the famished rebel horde. On what pleasant morn of the early fall, when Lee marched over the mountain wall, over the mountains winding down horse and foot into Frederick town, forty flags with their silver stars, forty flags with their crimson bars, Flapped in the morning wind, the sun, 
of noon looked down and saw not one up rose old barbara Fritchie then bowed with her fourscore years and ten bravest of all in frederick town she took up the flag the men hauled down in her attic window the staff she set to show that one heart was loyal yet up the street came the rebel tread stonewall jackson riding ahead under his slouched hat left and right he glanced that old flag met his sight halt the dusk-brown ranks stood fast fire out blazed the rifle blast it shivered the window pane and sash it rent the banner with seam and gash quick as it fell from the broken staff dame barbara snatched the silken scarf she leaned far out on the window-sill and shook it forth with a royal will shoot if you must this old gray head but spare your country's flag she said a shade of sadness a blush of shame over the face of the leader came a nobler nature within him stirred to life at that woman's deed and word who touches a hair of you gray head dies like a dog march on he said all day long through frederick street sounded the tread of marching feet all day long that free flag tossed over the heads of the rebel host ever its torn folds rose and fell on the loyal winds that loved it well and through the hill gaps sunset light shone over it with a warm good night barbara fritchie's work is o'er and the rebel rides on his raids no more honor to her and let a tear fall for her sake on stonewall's bier over barbara fritchie's grave flag of freedom and union wave peace and order and beauty draw round thy symbol of light and law and ever the stars above look down on thy stars below in fredericktown john greenleaf whittier the main body of the confederates was finally encountered at antietam and on september seventeenth eighteen sixty two a savage action was fought which left lee badly shattered Marthy Virginia's Hand, September 17, 1862 There, on the left, said the colonel, the battle had shuddered and faded away, wraith of a fiery enchantment that left only ashes and blood-sprinkled clay. Ride to the left and examine that ridge where the enemy's sharpshooters stood. Lord, how they picked off our men from the treacherous vantage ground of the wood. But for their bullets, I'll bet, my battery sent them something as good. Go and explore, and report to me then, and tell me how many we killed. Never a wink shall I sleep till I know our vengeance was duly fulfilled. Fiercely the orderly rode down the slope of the cornfield, scarred and forlorn, rutted by violent wheels and scathed by the shot that had ploughed it in scorn, fiercely and burning with wrath for the sight of his comrades crushed at a blow, flung in the broken shapes on the ground like ruined memorials of woe, these were men whom at daybreak he knew but never again could know thence to the ridge where roots outthrust and twisted branches of trees clutched the hill like clawing lions firm their prey to seize what's your report and the grim colonel smiled when the orderly came back at last strangely the soldier paused well they were punished and strangely his face looked aghast yes our fire told on them knocked over fifty laid out in line of parade brave fellows colonel to stay as they did but one i most wished hadn't stayed 
mortally wounded he torn off his knapsack and then at the end he prayed easy to see by his hands that were clasped and the dull dead fingers yet held this little letter his wife's from the knapsack a pity those woods were shelled silent the orderly watching with tears in his eyes as his officer scanned four short pages of writing what's this about marthy virginia's hand swift from his honeymoon he the soldier had gone from his bride to the strife never they met again but she had written him telling of that new life born in the daughter that bound her still closer and closer to him as his wife laying her baby's hand down on the letter around it she traced a rude line if you would kiss the baby she wrote you must kiss this outline of mine there was a shape of the hand on the page with the small chubby fingers outspread marthy virginia's hand for her paw so the words on the little palm said never a wink slept the colonel that night for the vengeance so blindly fulfilled never again woke the old battle glow when the bullets their death note shrilled long ago ended the struggle in union of brotherhood happily stilled yet from that field of antietam in warning and token of love's command see there is lifted the hand of a baby marthy virginia's hand george parsons lathrop it was mcclellan's first victory and his partisans hailed him as another alexander but he permitted a great opportunity to slip through his fingers instead of attacking the next day he remained inactive and lee made good his escape across the potomac the victor of antietam september seventeenth eighteen sixty two when tempest winnowed grain from bran and men were looking for a man authority called you to the van mcclellan along the lines the plaudits ran as later when antietam's cheers began through storm cloud and eclipse must move each cause and man dear to the stars and love nor always can the wisest tell deferred fulfillment from the hopeless knell the struggler from the floundering ne'er-do-well a pall-cloth on the seven days fell mcclellan unprosperously heroical who could antietam's wreath foretell authority called you then in mist and loom of jeopardy dismissed but staring peril soon appalled you the discarded she recalled recalled you not endured delay and forth you rode upon a blasted way arrayed pope's rout and routed lee's array mcclellan your tent was choked with captured flags that day mcclellan antietam was a telling fray recalled you and she heard your drum advancing through the ghastly gloom you manned the wall you propped the dome you stormed the powerful stormer home mcclellan antietam's cannon long shall boom alexandria left alone mcclellan your veterans sent from you and thrown to fields and fortunes all unknown what thoughts were yours revealed to none while faithful still you labored on hearing the fair manassas gun mcclellan only antietam could atone you fought in the front an evil day mcclellan the forefront of the first array the cause went sounding groped its way the leadsmen quarreled in the bay quills thwarted swords divided sway the rebel flushed in his lusty may you did your best as in you lay mcclellan antietam's sunburst sheds a ray your meddled soldiers love you well mcclellan name your name their true hearts swell with you they shook dread stonewall's spell with you they braved the blended yell 
of rebel and maligner fell. With you in fame or shame they dwell, McClellan, Antietam braves a brave can tell. And now your comrades, now so few, McClellan, such ravage in deep files they rue. Meet round the board and sadly view the empty places tribute due. They render to the dead and you, absent and silent o'er the blue. The one armed lift the wine to you, McClellan and great Antietam's cheers renew. Herman Melville On October 1, 1862, President Lincoln issued to McClellan a preemptory order to pursue Lee. Twenty days were spent in correspondence before that order was obeyed. McClellan had exhausted the patience even of the president. On November 5th, he was relieved from command, and General A. E. Burnside appointed to replace him. The latter paused to get the army in hand, and then moved down the Rappahannock toward Fredericksburg, where Lee was strongly entrenched. On December 11th, the Union Army managed to cross the Potomac in the face of a heavy fire. The Crossing at Fredericksburg, December 11, 1862 I lay in my tent at midday, too full of pain to die, when I heard the voice of Burnside and an answering shout reply. I heard the voice of the general, t'was firm, though soft and sad, but the roar that followed his question laughed out till the hills were glad. O oh, comrade, open the curtain, and see where our men are bound, for my heart is still in my bosom, at that terrible mirthful sound. And hark what the general orders, for I could not catch his words, but what means that hurry and movement, that clash of muskets and swords? Lie still, lie still, my captain, tis a call for volunteers, and the noise that vexes your fever is only our soldiers' cheers. Where go they, across the river? O oh God, I must lie still, while that drum and that measured trampling move from me far down the hill. How many, I judge for hundred, who are they, I'll know to a man, our own nineteenth and twentieth, and the seventh Michigan. Oh, to go, but to go with my comrades, tear the curtain away from the hook, for I'll see them march down to their glory if I perish by the look. They leaped in the rocking shallops, ten offered where one could go, and the breeze was alive with laughter till the boatmen began to row. Then the shore, where the rebels harbored, was fringed with a gush of flame, and buzzing like bees o'er the water, the swarms of their bullets came. In silence how dread and solemn, with courage how grand and true, steadily, steadily onward, the line of the shallops drew. Not a whisper, each man was conscious, but he stood in the sight of death. So he bowed to the awful presence, and treasured his living breath. Twixt death in the air above them, and death in the waves below, through the balls and grape and shrapnel, they moved, my God, how slow! And many a brave, stout fellow, who sprang in the boats with mirth, ere they made the fatal crossing, was a load of lifeless earth. And many a brave, stout fellow, whose limbs with strength were rife, was torn and crushed and shattered, a hopeless wreck for life. But yet the boats moved onward, through fire and lead they drove, with the dark still mass within them, and the floating stars above. So loud and near it sounded, I started at the shout, as the keels ground on the gravel, and the eager men burst out. Cheer after cheer we sent them, as only armies can. Cheers for old Massachusetts, cheers for young Michigan. They formed in line of battle. Not a man was out of place. Then with leveled steel they hurled them, straight in the rebel's face. 
Oh, help me, help me, comrade, for tears my eyelids drown as I see their smoking banners stream up the smoking town. And see the noisy workmen o'er the lengthening bridges run, and the troops that swarm to cross them when the rapid work be done. For the old heat, or a new one, flames up in every vein, and with fever or with passion I am faint as death again. If this is death, I care not. Hear me, men, from rear to van. One more cheer for Massachusetts, and one more for Michigan. George Henry Bocker On the morning of December 13, 1862, the Union Army advanced to the attack. The Confederate advance lines were driven back, but rallied and drove back their assailants with heavy loss. Assault after assault was repulsed, and Burnside was finally compelled to withdraw, with the loss of 15,000 men. He was relieved of command soon afterwards. At Fredericksburg, December 13, 1862 God send us peace, and keep the red strife away. But should it come, God send us men and steel. The land is dead that dare not face the day when foreign danger threats the common weal. Defenders strong are they that homes defend, from ready arms the spoiler keeps afar, while bless the country that has sons to lend, from trades of peace to learn the trade of war. Thrice bless the nation that has every son, a soldier ready for the warning sound, who marches homeward when the fight is done, to swing the hammer and to till the ground. Call back that morning with its lurid light, when through our land the awful war bell tolled, when the lips were mute and women's faces white as the pale cloud that out from Sumter rolled. Call back that morn, an instant all were dumb, as if the shot had struck the nation's life, then cleared the smoke and rolled the calling drum, and men streamed in to meet the coming strife. They closed the ledger and they stilled the loom, the plow left rusting in the prairie farm. They saw but union in the gathering gloom, the tearless women helped the men to arm. Brigades from towns, each village sent its band, German and Irish, every race and faith. There was no question then of native land, but love the flag and follow it to death. No need to tell their tale through every age. The splendid story shall be sung and said, but let me draw one picture from the page, for words of song embalm the hero dead. The smooth hill is bare and the cannons are planted, like Gorgon fates shading its terrible brow. The word has been passed that the stormers are wanted, and Burnside's battalions are mustering now. The armies stand by to behold the dread meeting. The work must be done by a desperate few. The black-mouthed guns on the height give them greeting. From gun-mouth to plain, every grass blade in view. Strong earthworks are there, and the rifles behind them are Georgia militia and Irish brigade. Their caps have green badges, as if to remind them of the brave record their country has made. The stormers go forward, the Federals cheer them. They breast the smooth hillside, the black mouths are dumb. The riflemen lie in the works till they near them, and cover the stormers as upward they come. Was ever a death march so grand and so solemn? At last, the dark summit with flame is inlined. The great guns belch doom on the sacrificed column, that reels from the height, leaving hundreds behind. The armies are hushed, there is no cause for cheering. The fall of brave men to brave men is a pain. Again come the stormers, as they are nearing. The flame-sheeted rifle lines reel back again. And so, till full noon, come the federal masses, flung back from the height as the cliff flings a wave. Brigade on brigade to the death struggle passes, no wavering rank till it steps on the grave. 
Then comes a brief lull, and the smoke pall is lifted. The green of the hillside no longer is seen. The dead soldiers lie as the seaweed is drifted, the earthwork still held by the badges of green. Have they quailed is the word. No, again they are forming. Again comes a column to death and defeat. What is it in these who shall now do the storming that makes every Georgian spring to his feet? Oh, God, what a pity, their cry in their cover. As rifles are readied and bayonets made tight, tis meager and his fellows their caps have green clover. Tis Greek to Greek now for the rest of the fight. Twelve hundred the column, their rent flag before them. With meager at their head, they have dashed at the hill. Their foemen are proud of the country that bore them, but Irish in love, they are enemies still. Out rings the fierce word, let them have it. The rifles are emptied point blank in the hearts of the foe. It is green against green, but a principle stifles. The Irishman's love in the Georgian's blow. The column has reeled, but it is not defeated. In front of the guns, they reform and attack. Six times they have done it, and six times retreated. Twelve hundred they came, and two hundred go back. Two hundred go back with the chivalrous story. The wild day is closed in the night's solemn shroud. A thousand lie dead, but their death was a glory that calls not for fears. The green badges are proud. Bright honor be theirs, who for honor are fearless, who charge for their flag to the grim cannon's mouth, and honor to them who were true, though not tearless, who bravely that day kept the cause of the South. The quarrel is done, God avert such another. The lesson it brought we should evermore heed. Who loveth the flag is a man and a brother, no matter what birth or what race or what creed. John Boyle O'Reilly Fredericksburg The increasing moonlight drifts across my bed, and on the churchyard by the road I know. It falls as white and noiselessly as snow. T'was such a night to weary summers fled, the stars as now were waning overhead. Listen, again the shrill-lipped bugles blow, where the swift currents of the river flow. Past Fredericksburg, far off the heavens are red, with sudden conflagration on yon height. Linstock in hand, the gunners hold their breath. A signal rocket pierces the dense night, flings its spent stars upon the town beneath. Hark, the artillery massing on the right. Hark, the black squadrons wheeling down to death. Thomas Bailey Aldrich Major General Joseph Hooker was placed in command, and the Grand Army of the Potomac, of which so much had been expected, went into winter quarters on the Rappahannock. By the Potomac The soft new grass is creeping o'er the graves, by the Potomac and the crisp ground flower, tilts its blue cup to catch the passing shower, the pine cone ripens, and the long moss waves, its tangled gonfalons above our braves. Hark, what a burst of music from you, Bower! The southern nightingale that hour by hour in its melodious summer of madness raves. Ah, with what delicate touches of her hand, with what sweet voice of bird and rivulet, and drowsy murmur of the rustling leaf, would nature soothe us, bidding us forget the awful crime of this distracted land and all our heavy heritage of grief. Thomas Bailey Aldrich the Washers of the Shroud Along a riverside I know not where, I walked one night in mystery of dream. A chill creeps curdling yet beneath my hair, To think what chanced me by the pallid gleam Of a moon wraith that waned through haunted air. 
Pale fireflies pulsed within the meadow mist, their halos wavering thistle-downs of light. The loon that seemed to mock some goblin tryst laughed, and the echoes huddling in affright, like Odin's hounds, fled baying down the night. Then all was silent, till there smote my ear a movement in the stream that checked my breath. Was it the slow plash of a waiting deer? But something said, this water is of death. The sisters wash a shroud, ill thing to hear. I, looking then, beheld the ancient three, known to the Greeks and to the Northmen's creed, that sit in shadow of the mystic tree, still crooning as they weave their endless breed. One song, time was, time is, and time shall be. No wrinkled crones were they, as I had deemed, but fair as yesterday, today, tomorrow. To mourner, lover, poet ever seemed something too high for joy, too deep for sorrow, thrilled in their tones, and from their faces gleamed. Still men and nations reap as they have strawn, so they sang, working at their task the while. The fatal raiment must be cleansed ere dawn, for Austria, Italy, the Sea Queen's Isle, or the quelched grandeur must our shroud be drawn? Or is it for a younger, fairer course, the gathered states like children round his knees, that tamed the waves to be his posting horse, feller forests linked of the seas, bridge builder, hammerer, youngest son of Thor's? What make we, murmurest thou, and what are we? When empires must be wound, we bring the shroud, the time-old web of the implacable three, is too coarse for him, the young and proud, earth's mightiest deign to wear it. Why not he? Is there no hope? I moaned, so strong, so fair. Our fowler, whose proud bird would brook erewhile, no rival swoop in all our western air, gather the ravens then in funeral file. For him, life's morn yet golden is his hair. Leave me not hopeless, ye unpitying dames. I see, half seeing. Tell me, ye who scanned, the stars, earth's elders, still must noblest aims, be traced upon oblivious ocean sands? Must Hesper join the wailing ghosts of names? When grass blades stiffen with the red battle dew, ye deem we choose the victor and the slain. Say, choose we them that shall be leal and true, to the heart's longing, the high faith of brain? Yet... There the victory lies, if ye but knew. Three roots bear up, dominion, knowledge, will. These twain are strong, but stronger yet the third, obedience. Tis the great taproot that still, knit round the rock of duty, is not stirred. Though heaven-loosed tempests spend their utmost skill. Is the doom sealed for Hesper? Tis not we, denounce it, but the law, before all time. The brave makes danger opportunity, the waverer, paltering with a chance sublime, dwarfs it to peril, which shall Hesper be. Hath he the many's plaudits found more sweet than wisdom? Held opinions wind for law? Then let him hearken for the doomster's feet. Rough are the steps, slow hewn by the flintiest rock, states climb to power by, slippery those with gold, down which they stumble to eternal mock. No chafer's hand shall long the scepter hold, who, given a fate to shape, would sell the block. We sing old sagas, songs of weal and woe, mystic because too cheaply understood. Dark sayings are not ours, men hear and know. See evil weak, 
see strength alone in good, yet hope to stem God's fire with walls of tow. Time was, unlocks the riddle of time is, that offers choice of glory or of gloom. The solver makes time shall be, surely his. But hasten, sisters, for even now the tomb grates its slow hinge and calls from the abyss. But not for him, I cried, not yet for him, whose large horizon, westering star by star, winds from the void to wear on ocean's rim. The sunset shuts the world with golden bar, not yet his thews shall fail, his eyes grow dim. His shall be larger manhood saved for those that walk unblenching through the trial fires, not suffering but faint heart is worst of woes. And he no base-born son of craven sires, whose eye need blench, confronted with his foes. Tears may be ours, but proud for those who win, death's royal purple in the foeman's lines. Peace, too, brings tears, and mid the battle din, the wiser ear some text of God divines, for the sheathed blade may rust with darker sin. God give us peace, not such as lulls to sleep, but sword on thigh, and brow with purpose knit, and let our ship of state to harbor sweep. Her ports all up, her battle lanterns lit, and her leashed thunders gathering for their leap. So I cried, with clenched hands and passionate pain, thinking of dear ones by Potomac's side. Again the loon left, mocking, and again. The echoes bayed far down the night and died. While walking, I recalled my wandering brain. James Russell Lowell, October 1861. End of chapter four. Recording by Nikki Myers from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. To learn more about me, visit nikkisessentials.com.